Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. Come on, would you lift your voice to Jesus? Would you lift your voice to Jesus? How many of you are in love with him today? Is he everything to you? Would you agree there is none like him? How many of you say you've experienced Jesus? In whatever measure you've experienced. Some of you are not responding. How many of you have experienced something of Jesus? There is a God experience that is so far beyond anything we have encountered that every time we receive an encounter of God, we feel as if God transforms, God heals, God delivers, God ministers. Have you ever been in a place of unforgiveness and then God comes, gives you a forgiveness experience and then you forgive? I understand a sister that was here Friday got healed. Have you ever experienced God come and he heals you? But what experience will it take that God can have with you that would please him? What experience can we have in Jesus that would minister to Jesus? We know what he could do for us. But what God is hungry for is what will bring satisfaction, fulfillment. The desire of his heart is to have a people that fulfill him. Now some say, well, God is fulfilled in himself. Uh, Yeah. But how many of you understand if you have love, you desire the fulfillment of love? Right? Talk to me. And whatever you can, whatever you do, you can do one, this, this one you can never do is lock God in to your previous experiences or what you think you've known about him because he will never tell you everything. God requires people to pursue. That's why the just shall live by by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. We are changed from glory to glory. No eye has seen, ear has not heard. It's not been conceived in the heart of man. What God has, say that out loud, prepared for them that love him In that preparation, there's a fulfillment that God receives. In that preparation, there's a place that satisfies the heart of God. And what I'm asking God for today is that we would be delivered from ourselves. All our restrictions, 
personal understandings, limitations, whatever is the measure of ourselves in our faith, in our previous experiences, in our understanding of God, that God today would break all the barriers. Oh, I didn't hear her. I said God today would break all the barriers. Every song that was sung today, I did not communicate with the worship team what I'm going to preach today. I did not communicate with my son what I'm going to preach today. I just told him that I will not come with a Father's Day message. I have a word for you today. But what I'm asking God to do is whatever it is that has crystallized our thinking, education, upbringing, culture, tradition, family background, the good, the bad, and the ugly, whatever it is, it has brought a formation to that formed you into who you are, how you are, what you believe. I'm asking God today to break your mold. Now you got to say, yeah. You, gotta, you have to say, you got to. I'm not asking you to do something I didn't live through. I ask God to break everything that will keep me restricted. And I reached a place where I didn't care what my fathers thought, what my mother thought, what my brothers thought, what the people of the church thought, what denomination that ordained me thought, or the schools where they gave me degrees thought. Because I came to the conclusion that all of it means nothing. I'm out to please no one. I don't care what anyone thinks. I certainly don't care what Christians think. I want to please God and bring fulfillment to God and have him say to me, if you're going to glory in something, glory in this, that you know and you understand me. And I need to hear God say, you finally got it, son. You now understand me. You see the plan of my ages. You see what I have accomplished. You know my ways and my nature, my kindness and my love, my mercy and my endurance. Come on, my faithfulness and my justice, my peace and my joy. You know my righteousness and my holiness. I have personified it all in Jesus. And that can become your personal encounter where Jesus becomes personified and that gives him glory that brings him fulfillment so every hand raised come on every every hand raised we desire to know you like we've never known you can you raise that for me yeah raise it we desire you more than anything our longing is to bring fulfillment to who you are that there is nothing in our life no weakness no restriction no sin no failure that will anyway bring you shame but in every way we bring you glory we bring you honor we bring you praise that we personify your righteousness we personify your holiness we personify your grace your faithfulness your endurance your goodness God we personify what has freed us. That we personify what has delivered us. That 
we personify the grace that drew us then we personify the love that has transformed us you promised you promised me you promised in your word that you will be all in all we desire to be all of us you be all in all of us oh come on church let there be nothing left but you be all in all of us in the mighty name in the mighty name of Jesus so father we say here we are do what you gotta do remove whatever it is you gotta remove undo whatever it is you gotta undo just don't let us remain the same don't let us leave this place the same we don't care about what day it is we don't care what time it is we don't care what's going on today this is Father's Day this is your day we're here to honor and magnify your great name in Jesus mighty name and all the people of God said if God has been good to you would you praise him real good come on Oh, come on, church, praise Him. Hallelujah. I want to thank God for Pastor William. Yeah, for Emily. For their sensitivity to the things of God, for their pursuit. I want to thank God for the worship team. What an awesome job they did today. I want to especially thank God for my wife, the lead leader in our family's worship. She has always shown us how it should be done. And uh, this morning, I just want to quickly, um, I don't generally do this, but the father of my son, father-in-law of my son, let's get that clear. Um, it just happens that today is his birthday it's Father's Day he has served me faithfully for decades I just like to, I know he doesn't like it but I want Pastor Mark to stand up can you honor him for me yeah. hallelujah God bless you may be seated I am so grateful. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for the opportunity today. I, like I said, I, I, did not, I did not come with a Father's Day message. I brought a word for those of you that will receive it. Come on. Yes. I like you. Come on, one, whoever said that. Um, <clears throat> and I just want to preface by saying... Uh, when I stepped out because I hungered for more of God, and I'm going to be vulnerable with you today. Uh, and I know we're being recorded. And it, this, is this live streamed? Yes. Ah, great. <laughs> you know, I hate social media stuff. I mean, I'm happy for it if it's used right. But some people need to get off. And if you're going to take selfies, can you like move away from the camera just a little Sorry, I just got to get that stuff off my chest. But 
It's almost like people have nowhere to go, nothing to do, so they just Facebook it all day. Okay, so now that that's out of my face. Um, <clears throat> you know, in the old days we would record, and that way that if, if I said something, if I used a nasty word, if I said a cuss word, I know none of you Christians cuss. I might once in a while. Nothing serious, just, just a little word, you know, that comes. And I, I've reached a point where I know that God knows, and I know that he knows, and he knows that I know that he knows. I might as well get it out of my system, you know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> so pleasing you, pleasing you is not on my agenda. I just worry about what he thinks. And so, you know, I will say something and I ask him to forgive me and then I go on and then I'll do something and I'll ask him to forgive me and people leave me and I don't care because God has remained with me the whole time. And so, <clears throat> um, as I began to pursue him, um, and, and just so you, you understand, just and, and I know you know maybe a little, but I, I need you to, to kind of just get a picture. And I know many of you know who Benny Hinn is. He's that weird dude with a funky hair. Um, I love him, I love him, I love him. We were just together a week or so ago uh, in, in Orlando uh, where we did a pastor's conference. All these pastors came from all over the world. And uh, I got to minister two services to these ministers, and uh, it was just absolutely glorious. And, and, and the old, you know, my old Benny brother, poof, blow on people, power, thunder, glory, bodies flying everywhere, it happened again. And I thought, praise God, he still got it, you know? <laughs> COVID, no COVID, he did it, and I'm proud of him. And so he laid hands on these pastors, then he got COVID. <laughs> and I started laughing. <laughs> He, he, didn't, he didn't want to lay hands on anybody because he doesn't want to get COVID. And I said, I'm, I'll lay hands on it with them. And so I helped him. We laid hands on these pastors and, and he got COVID and I didn't. So he got upset and he said, how come you didn't get it? I said, because... No, I'm not going to tell you what I said. I'm not going to tell you what I said. He might be watching, so, you know. And, and I want to go preach for him again. So anyway... But I was, I was thinking this morning, I really didn't plan to get into any of this, but I was thinking this morning, when, when I, um, I was facing the, the, the choir, and the choir was, I don't know, hundreds of people, and we were in the Philippines, and I'm standing next to him on the platform, and, and my back is actually to the people, and he tapped me, and he said, just, just turn around. And the whole worship on the choir was phenomenal. And, and the whole choir was waving their hands as they're worshiping, hands raised, and they were worshiping God like this, and he gives me a little nudge to turn around, and I turn around, and I see a sea of people, as far as the eye can see. This had to be outdoors because there was no stadium big enough. And the whole crowd, and I mean, they estimated later there must have been close to over a million people in one service, and the whole million of them were waving their hands in worship. I remember when I preached to 10,000 pastors in that conference, and how hungry they were. And I would go through hardships between me and God as God used me. So though he would use me greatly, I became more hungry, more empty, 
more disappointed, more frustrated, the more he used me. It seemed instead of becoming fulfilled in God, I became emptier, desiring more of God. And one day I took a time to fast and pray. And the Lord, through this fast, he said, I'm going to give you one or two roadways. I was desperate for just, I needed to understand what's wrong with me. I mean, everything is it's good. The, the ministry is great. They take care of everything. My car is paid for by them. My housing is covered. I have a good salary. Everything is wonderful. I have a wonderful wife. And at the time, two girls. The boys had not arrived yet. After Costi came, it kind of changed everything. But anyway. <clears throat> and I'm so, listen, I, one of the happiest of my life. So, um, I didn't understand why I'm so empty. And so I thought, you know, I need, I, I need to learn more. I don't know enough. You know, I'm a Middle Eastern. I understand the Hebrew. The Aramaic is similar to the Arabic. I kind of get that. The Greek language has got a lot of cultural similarities. And so, you know, we're Greek Orthodox by upbringing. And so I, I would study the scripture. And then I would come across all these things. And, and, you know, you have to understand we were part of denomination. They give you the 16 points of what they believe. And they pass, pass on to you what you should believe about God according to their understanding. So the longer that I served him, the more that he used me, the emptier I became. And so I said to my wife, I just need to go find God. And I went on this fast. And this fast that I went on, I specifically went to a place... Um, we had an elder that had a private airplane, one of those single-engine airplanes. And I said, I want to go somewhere where I have no choice, but where I cannot get food. Where I cannot put on a television. It's got just a place for you. Okay, let's go. So we get into his little one single-engine airplane that is like a, a, a can. It's not much bigger. He's a big guy. And he flies me to the mountains of North Carolina. Don Donovan, remember? He couldn't fly with, with instruments. He had to fly by vision. It gets completely cloudy. He can't see where the runway is to land. So he says, you got to look for an opening in the clouds because we're going to run out of fuel. And we should be right over the, the airport, but I, don't, I can't see it. So I started to pray, and the clouds just separated to my right. I said, right there, and he just zooms between the clouds, we, did, we went praying to God we don't hit a, a hill or a side of a mountain. He finds the runway. We land. And uh, he gets the driver to take me up the mountain to this, to this I was going to call it outhouse, but it's more like a, like a, like a, like a camp, not a camp, uh, a, a log cabin. And it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's by itself in the midst of hundreds of acres he hands me a, a, a 350 Magnum in case bears show up. He said, just aim and shoot and keep shooting, okay? And now I'm thinking, I'm thinking I don't know if I want to be, the, to be here. So he drops me off and he said, we'll be back in seven days. You can't walk down the mountain without getting eaten by a bear. So we'll be back for you in seven days. And seven days later, he brought his wife and my wife and they came and picked me up. You remember that? So in that time, the Lord said this to me. I'm going to give you one or two pathways. There's this road where you could, and it's up to me. You could, this road where you can choose. And I will use you greatly. And you'll be right by your brother. And the multitudes and the nations will be open. 
And you'll see signs and wonders. And I will bless you. But that roadway has an end. There'll be an end of it. Or I can put you on this roadway. And on this roadway, I will strip you. I will take away from you things that you value. And I will try you. And I will change you. And I'll rip your understanding out of you. But at the end of that road, you'll find me. Which one do you want? Well, I mean, I'm thinking, of course, Lord, I want you. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what the stripping was. I didn't know what the loneliness will be. I don't know what I'm going to lose. But I was offered the end of the road to find God. And here's the crazy thing. When you find God, you don't come to an end. You just get it started. There's no end to finding him. And so I chose that roadway. And literally in a very short period of time, I lost everything because I began to see things in scripture. And I would get excited. And I would go to to my family and to brothers and to pastors and to people that I honored and these theologians. And I would say, you're not going to believe what I found in the scriptures. And I would tell them what I found. And they would tell me, no, 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 you don't want to go there. What? But it's right here. No, 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 listen, this, this, you're, you're, you're borderlining here. And I thought, so there's a border then. And as long as I remain within that border of your religiosity and of what you think I should believe, I'm safe with you. But if I'm going to break out of your borders that you've set for me and out of your doctrines and out of your Bible colleges and what you think is, is Bible, because after all, you're all-knowing and you know everything... And I didn't go to fast to pray to you. I went to fast to pray for him. And he told me, I'll strip you of everything. And that includes you. And so I was removed from the denomination. I eventually left the church. I no longer had big crowds. I didn't have any money. We literally had nothing to raise our children. The car I owned was the ministries. I gave it back. Thank God I owned my little house. And we begun from there, and I began to study. And I would spend endless hours into the night studying the scriptures. And, and this is not to impress you. This is to, and at that time, I had no, no desire to study so I can start a resignation one day. My boys were not even born yet. My son William did not want a pastor. This should show him never disagree with your father. You little. Right? He always had a beautiful voice, and I paid a lot of money. I mean a lot of money. I mean a lot of money <laughs> to put him through a studio and have him record. And the whole time I'm paying so he would learn that's not it. Some parents, you know, will just choke you, tie you down, and say, no. No, I was stupid. I paid for it while I told him no. But I needed him to know it's not God. Because once he knew that that's not God, then God will show him what is God. And as far as I'm concerned, you all owe me that he's here. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, I began this journey looking for the Lord. Um, 35 years ago. I'm still on the journey. The blessing now is 
God has blessed us. God has prospered us. God has, has given me a, a family that could only be created by the hand of God, a marriage that is made in heaven, children, and nine grandchildren. Uh, I know it's Father's Day. Restaurants are going to be full, but there's 19 of us, and no restaurants will take us, so we're just going to sit in the backyard and eat hot dogs. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to me. So anyway... Um, And what I've gained has not only made me hunger for more of God, and by no means do I know everything, uh, but I have never served the church again. I never served ministry again. I never served people again. I never served my family again. I never once worked hard to please people. From since that day, I serve God. I serve for his sake and for the fulfillment of his heart. That's my call. I serve God. I am a servant of the most high God. And how good he's been to me has caused me not to care about what anyone else says or thinks. And if God be for us, William Hinn translation, if God be for us, who cares who's against us? And so if people like what I have to say, they, they follow. And Jesus had people follow. He didn't run after anyone, but they followed. And so those that hunger for the same have followed. And I'm praying to God today, we're going to get some followers. That was not very good. I say, I pray to God today, we're going to get some followers. Yeah. And everything that I want you, everything I want to say to you is going to be in here. Nothing, I don't, anything is not in here. Listen to me, come back and tell me it's not here. So I can show you that it is. And so for you to change your mind. Is that okay? And that the Bible is not written in your English language because your English language is terrible. It does not describe what the words of God say. It gives you a, a picture, but not specifics. So today we're going to get into some specifics. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And like I said, I'm not coming to you with a Father's Day message, but as a father, I'm bringing you a word. And I believe if we get a hold of this word, it's going to change everything. The Lord spoke a word to me recently. That um, I really felt this is what I am to bring you as an introduction. Because I'm going to bring you a first a teaching. And then after the teaching, I'm going to give you a word. This teaching is leading to the word that I have for you. A specific word for you. Is that right? Yes. But I don't want to bring that word to you without first you understanding. Um, and you know, I'm taking my sweet time just a little because I want to I give my son plenty of time to get in here. But let me know when you are in the book of Revelation chapter 3. Yes. Wonderful. Let's begin reading from verse 21. Wow, that was quick. Did you even pray for the children? Wow. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21. 
God bless the children. Even though they just got cheated from their pastor. But I'm just messing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And can I, can I be Sido? They call me Sido. How many of you know what a Sido is? You have any idea how insulting that is? I'm grandfather. Do I look like a grandfather to you? I can kick your butt. I say that in love. All right. So since I'm Sido, and you know when my son said, um, um, he's going to by the end of the day know about tomorrow morning? Plan to be here in the morning. And I'll tell you why. When he said that, I felt they need to do this. Even if it's on your way to work, it can only take 10 minutes. Do it. Because no move of God has ever begun without someone paying a price to start it. There has to be a people that will sacrifice. And that causes a chain reaction. And God has begun something here that is a sovereign, divine move of the Spirit of God. When it begun, I watched it and sobbed for the whole thing. Because I knew I have waited for this day. So what? listen, and here's what it's like. Any of you that know anything about sailing, you put up your sail and you trust God to bring the wind. And sometimes, and do me a, for the love of God, don't name it. Don't trap it. Don't cage it. Don't organize it. Don't plan it. Just do one. That's it. Until what God tells you next. And you adjust your sail according to the flow of the wind. And if sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes it's in the evening, sometimes it's all night, sometimes it's an hour. However it is that God does it, I want you to know that God has begun something here. And what you're going to have to do is sacrifice. You pack the kids, you stick them in the truck, car, van, whatever. Put some food in their mouth, wrap them up, tie them to the seat and come on. Do what you got to do. Listen, you got you to do what you got to do. That's what we did. We did this. And four of them will be playing in the front while my wife would rehearse and I'm getting ready and we sacrificed. But it's what God requires at any altar. So if you're going to come to the altar, you bring the sacrifice. He brings the fire. You don't plan the fire. All you do is what you know to do. That's it. And he takes care of the rest. So as often as the Lord leads my son, you come, pick up your sail, because let me tell you something, it's going to heal families. It's going to heal marriages. It's going to heal bodies. It's going to set children free. Lost ones will return. People will get saved. The devil will leave you alone. It's going to cause things to change in people's lives. It'll be worth the sacrifice, trust me. Because whatever it is you want to give God, like Abraham, I'm going to give you my son. Yeah, okay, right. And God turns around and gives him to be a father over the nations. God will always give you a whole lot more than you've ever thought of sacrificing. Amen. Revelation chapter 3. To him that overcomes, verse 21, will I grant, watch these words, to sit with me in my throne. Not next to me, in with me. In my throne. Even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, resonation. 
Notice, Jesus is not asking you to do something. He has not already paid the way. He's already done what he's asking you to do. You overcome, and I will grant you to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame, and I'm sat down with my father in his throne. After this, chapter 4, verse 5, I'm sorry, verse 1, after this I looked, I what? And behold, a door was opened in heaven. Here's the beginning of the word. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show you things which must be hereafter, which must take place. So notice, after I looked, and behold, a door was open. A door was what? Follow this very carefully. To every promise of God, there is the requirement of faith. You might want to write things down, but I don't know that you'll be able to write it all down because once they get going, you're just going to have to get the, the, the recording and listen to it again. To every promise of God, there is the requirement of faith. The circumstances of Joseph, as an example, seem to contradict the promises of God, but he remained faithful. So anytime God gives you a promise, listen to me carefully, the strategy of the kingdom is that everything that seems to contradict that promise is going to come. Okay? So, every promise of God requires faith. Without faith, you cannot please him. The circumstances of Joseph seem to contradict the promises of God, but Joseph remained faithful. God's about to fulfill, I believe, what he has promised many of us. I heard that and I wrote it down for me. I hope it's for you. I heard God say, I'm about to fulfill what I promised you. Say yes. Before God opens the door, however, follow this carefully. You might want to write it down. I'm going to slow it down. Before God opens a door, he shakes out of the way what is in the way of that door. He shakes what does not belong on the other side of the door. So not all the children of Israel entered the promised land, although all of them were delivered from Egypt. So not all the children of Israel were delivered, that were delivered, entered the promise. Listen carefully. Had God not removed what didn't belong, they would have turned the land of promise into a land of bondage again. So God will always shake out of the way what does not belong on the other side of the door. Because he has opened a door. And so therefore, whatever we have to overcome before we step into the open door does not compare to what we will get out of the throne of the Father. Because the words were, to him that overcomes, I'm going to grant him to sit in my throne. So the overcoming leads you to the throne. Therefore, whatever we have to overcome does not compare to stepping up into the throne of the Father. So if you have to overcome doubt, fear, weakness, failure, family problems, sin, limitations, hurts, unforgiveness, whatever it is we need to overcome, it does not compare to the results and the blessings that will come from the throne of God. It's really important. So you got to notice the order, verse 21. Just follow my words and look at the verse. Verse 21, follow the order. Overcome, sit with me in my throne. Look for an open door. Hear what I'm going to say and then come up. Simple. 
Overcome. Sit with me. Look for an open door. Hear and come up. Can we say it one more time? Overcome. Sit with me. Look for an open door. Hear and come. Can we all sit one more time? Come on, everybody. Overcome. Sit with me. Look for an open door. Hear and come up. So this open door will lead to the authority that we've never had. It will lead us to power and rule that we've never known. Go back to chapter 3. Go back to the verses. Chapter 3, this is still Revelation. Look with me at verse 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write these things, says he that is holy. I wish I could preach on this. This is the one of the churches of the two that was not rebuked of the seven. He that is true. He that has the key of David. He that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. Why didn't he call it the key of Moses? Verse 8. And I know thy works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut. For though you have little strength, that means you have been fighting, but you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. The key of David signifies something to do with the throne of David. He that has the key of David opens the door that no man can shut and then shuts the door that no man can open. And he says, I have set. Say set. set. That means it's past tense. It's done already. I have set before you an open door that no man can shut, insinuating that there's been other doors before where there was resistance. Enemies came and fought you. The door was shut. It didn't come through. You fought, but now you're weak. But God says, but this door, I'm opening, and no man can shut this one. So a door is used as a figurative metaphor that speaks of an entrance from one realm into another. And I need you to listen to me, people of God. This is to you. This is what I had to live through. A door is used. When God opens a door, it is used figuratively as a metaphor to speak of an entrance from one realm into another. And it is inferring that we are on one side, but on the other side, there awaits us a new realm of experiences that will change everything. Since it is God that has opened this door, therefore it will become a gateway to what we have never had. Got it? So God has opened a door to you, resignation. You are standing before an open door. This open door brings you to the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, a very familiar portion of scripture. If you want to go with me to chapter 43 of the book of Isaiah, and I know many of you already know it, and it says in verse 18, remember ye not the former things. Anybody remember? Remember not now. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do. Can you all read it out loud? Are you all in Isaiah 43? Can we start reading verse 18 again? Because I'm reading and I hear pages turning. That means you're slow people. So come on. Remember, verse 18. Remember out loud, everybody. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider. That means, hold it. That means when they come, those old things come. He's telling you, separate them from your mind. Don't consider means 
separate them. It's something, this is a mental exercise. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold. So once you've done that, you got to open your eyes. Behold, I will. Who will? I will. Not you. He will. He wants you to let go. That's it. I will open the door. I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. When? But shall you know it? Will you know it? Or are you going to go home? Back to the same old. Will you know it? You have any idea how many times God opens the door for his people? And he's trying to get their attention, but they're so busy about with whatever they think and whatever that's going on in their life and whatever's bothering them and whatever they're upset with and whatever fights they're having in their marriage or whatever's going on in their money, whatever it is that's distracting them. And they walk right by the door, not realizing behind that door would have been everything they've been waiting for. Will you know it? I will even make a way. You got to remember these words. I will make a way. Come on, read it out loud. I will make a way in where? In the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So you got to remember, this is God's doing. Only God can cause rivers to flow in the desert. And so when we hear this, we have to remember that we are instructed to do three things. Remember not, neither consider, that's two, separate it from your mind, and then behold. Right? Remember not, don't consider, and behold. What is it? So I, I and, and I, I've come today uh, in a, I want to slow it down. I don't want to overload you. I know sometimes I can just spit stuff out that took me years, and I expect you to understand. For that, I'm very sorry. But grow up. No, I'm kidding. No, I was reminded when William was a little boy, he was in a high chair, and I was feeding him jar food. You know baby jar food? It's actually pretty good stuff. So, you could tell I would share it with him. But anyway, so I would, I would, I'm, 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 I'm sitting, and I rarely did this. My wife took care of it, but she was, I think she had to feed Costi, and he took twice as much. So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. So anyway, I'm, I'm feeding, I'm feeding William, and he's in a high chair, and you know, he's, I'm trying to feed him as fast as I can, and he's hungry, and he's just a little guy. Like a baby. And, and so the food would kind of come off his face and, and, and drip down his chin. And I would collect it with the little plastic cute baby spoon and shove it back into his mouth. And I heard the Lord say, shove the whole jar in his mouth. I'm telling you, I heard that. And, when I, and here's the thing. When I, when I hear the voice of God, I actually have a physical encounter. I physically change. I get emotional. And I know I heard God, but it's confusing and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm not Abraham. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And he said, why? You're doing it to my children every Sunday. And it just, it, it, it hurt me. And I got up and I apologized to my people. That I will not shove food down your throat. I will allow your brain time to process. Mm. I may, I'm going to do it the best I can. If I get impatient with you, I will say sorry in advance. And I will call you names within my spirit. 
that only God will hear. You know, that, you know no, nothing, nothing serious. Slow moving Babylonian Pharisee. No. I'm sorry. I'm so, just, I'm kidding. Listen, I, I was crucified for many years because of what I believe. And when I come here, I have fun. Because I don't care anymore. You know, I, I love that you come here and if you leave, you're not leaving me. You know, you're leaving my son and I'll take care of him. <laughs> so it's okay. You know, I, I have nothing. I mean, I, I'm, so I'm going to have fun. With, is that okay? I'm going to have fun. But, but, but promise me something. Promise me something. You going to promise? Take what you know, what you believe. That's what I had to do. And don't throw it out. Put it on a shelf. Okay? And then go to the Word. And see if what you've, been, what you've been believing, what you've been raised with, agrees with what's on the shelf. And if it doesn't, love God enough to just throw it out. And so when I went to, to my board people and denomination people and I said, I'm sorry, I don't believe in that we're going to fly anywhere. Get out. Thank you. God bless you. But God's going to have a generation that's going to take over this world. His kingdom come, his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going with it. And I'm going to raise my children to believe it. And we have to start with two. We're going to end up taking over. So, you know, and I'm, I'm not, a, if anyone wants to fly away, we will watch you wait. But we're going to do something about the kingdom while you're waiting. We're going to get some things done while we're waiting. We're going to change things in this country while you're waiting. We're going to deal with the children while you're waiting. We're going to deal with our government while you're waiting. We're going to cheat the school while you're waiting. While you're waiting to get your butt out of here, we're going to help the children and the colleges and the schools and the government and change what rules our nation. Bring righteousness back to where it belongs. Why do I? People say, don't you believe in the coming of... Of course I do. He's in rain. Will he come with all of his glory? Of course he will. I want him to come and someone has to tap me on the shoulder because I'm busy. So listen, he's here. While I'm doing the work, he's come. I've said to the Lord, if you're going to show up, do what I'm preaching your glory. Do what I'm preaching your name. Okay. <laughs> Remember not the former things. How do you get rid of memory? You put new things in it. Remember not the former things, neither consider. Put them out of your mind, things of old. Behold. So that means you step out of the old and you come into a holding place where you are beholding. In that beholding, God's going to teach you. So you hear. You overcome. You come to the throne and you look for an open door and you hear. And there'll come a moment where he will say, come up. Once you come up, you can never go back down. You'll be driven to get everybody else up with you. Remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Will you know it? 
I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Isaiah 65, 17 and 18 say in part, the former shall not be remembered, nor come to mind. God's going get, to get it out of your memory. But you will be so glad and so rejoice because of what I create. Did you see that? The words, I do a new thing. Please write this down. I do a new thing. I make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Describes a function of God's certain anointing. Say that again. The words, I do a new thing. I make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Are you all hot in here? Is it hot? I'm not sure if it's just me sweating. Do you have air conditioning here? Maybe someone can, some crank, you know, it's hot up here. Okay, it's already cranked. Must be the Holy Ghost. The words, I do a new thing, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, describe a certain function in God. The word, listen, new, I do a new thing, means causatively to build fresh and new. Causatively to build fresh and new, which means God's going to cause. He will cause it. Anytime we hear the Lord say, behold, I do a new thing, it's apostolic. Here we go. We gotta get, now we're going to get into it. So write it down. It's what? This is a word that for the majority of the Western church is not understood. It is being used loosely in modern day church. We got apostles coming out of our ears. And people use it as a title, not realizing it's a particular function. It's rare. But once God releases this kind of anointing, this anointing is to establish things. Follow carefully. It is, it is different in the flow, in intensity, than other functions of the Lord. And that's why God gives us specific order how he establishes what is called the five ascension gifts or the five offices or the, you know, it is, it's been described that which is the, the, the fivefold ministry. God gave some apostles, prophets, come on, help me, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the body. Now, I'm not going to teach on the five. I'm going to bring you to this an understanding that the foundation of the church is always established by the apostles and prophets. You remove that, there is no foundation. That's why it doesn't last and pastors leave and new pastors come and people rotate from church to church. Why? Because there is no such a thing. And if you ask the denominational modern day understanding, they think that that passed with the apostles. That is so unbiblical and so sad. People believe this, that they must have not read the book of Acts at all. But follow carefully. Because Paul was not of the 12. And yet apostle to the Gentiles. And God gave specific instructions to his 12. He said, I want you to go to the house of Israel, to the lost sheep of Israel. And I don't want you to leave the bordery, the boundaries that I'm setting for you. Do not go to the Gentiles. Go to the people of faith. I'm reserving that for someone else. That's not your territory. That's his territory. You take care of the lost sheep of Israel. And God gave territories. Understand? I do a new thing. The word new causative to build fresh and new, I will cause it. And anytime we hear the Lord say, 
Behold, I do a new thing. It's apostolic. He sends an apostolic anointing that carries the authority to enter into an old, stale, stubborn system and disrupt it. This anointing dismantles old mindsets and restructures them to the potential of the new. Got it? It's not a one-time move. It's a process. It is a father spirit ministry that brings people to God to their rightful potential and inheritance. Like Jacob changed the destiny of his son in Genesis 35 from the son of sorrow, Benoni, to Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Anybody remember that? So Paul now gives us a little bit of a clearer understanding of this New Testament order. Go with me to the first Corinthians chapter 12. I just want you to get a hold of this teaching. Normally I don't teach this but to ministers. So I want you to get a hold of what it's saying because what specifically God is doing in this house is, is fantastic to me and I am so thankful and so privileged that I'm watching it and to be a part of it. And I want you to know this is all God. I said it's all God. This is God started this thing. And what will happen is, here's the thing. What will happen is as it gets tiring, you're going to think, well, maybe I started this. Or maybe I'm doing this. Because I, I, let me ask you something. When was it wrong to come before God and pray? When is it wrong to come before God and worship? Right. We put the sail up. Because revival does not necessarily, well, sometimes it comes with large crowds. But other times it initiates movements. And movements begin in a seed form, like the kingdom of God is like onto a seed, and then it branches. And sometimes, not all the time, thank God, but sometimes those that were the seed that initiated the movement don't live long enough to see the ending. But I'm going to. So Paul comes along in 1 Corinthians 12, very familiar portion of scripture again. And he tells us in verse 28, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and can we read verse 28 out loud together? And God has set some, I'm going to read it out of King James. Who does this? God. Out loud, who does this? God. God. And God has set some in the church. First, somebody say first. first. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, what? Miracles. So the miracles will not come until this order is in place. Right? Because after that, come healing. And government and order. But before you're able to get to those places, you're gonna have the first, first, the second, second, and the third, third. And I want you to hear this now. This is really, really important because the people, people have, have come to the conclusion that the apostle is the biggest and the best. No, 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 it's the worst. No one in his right mind would choose to be one. If they knew what it meant, they would not want it. So they think apostle is the big guy, sits in the big chair with the big hat, the grand pooba. Nonsense. That is not what an apostle is. Upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, they laid the foundation. You don't see the foundation when you put the carpet down. They laid the foundation. They were there before you came. And so follow him. God has set some in the church. First apostles, second early prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. The word first is the Greek word proton. What is it? Proton. And the word means first in order, first in rank, 
First, an influence. You will find that in the Strong's Concordance. But what I'm about to give you, you will not find there. Again, the word first means proton. First in order. First in rank. First in influence. First is, it's the first one that is sent. Got that? First to be sent like a special forces in a military invasion. They're the first to go out because they're the first to get killed. Okay? First does not indicate necessarily, necessarily that they're better, but they're first. But what the word speaks of, it speaks of a sharp instrument that has a breakthrough capacity. Like making a roadway in a mountain or a machete through a jungle. This word first is a picture of a sharp instrument. Like an arrowhead of a, of a bow and arrow, like the arrowhead. A sharp instrument that cuts through rock and makes a way where there's been no way. Behold, I do a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. This, this God's gift comes and carves out a way in the desert for the waters to flow. It's the machete in the hand of the apostle that cuts through the jungles to make a pathway for others to follow. It's coming to a mountain. You're going to get to the other side. You need a highway. God sends first the apostle. They cut through the mountain and make a way for traffic to come through. When people drive through, they don't stop and think, wow, someone had to carve this this tunnel through this mountain for me to drive through it. First is that which comes and makes a way where there's been no way. Follow this carefully. So at any time, whenever it is, God is going to move into a new territory of your mind. A new territory into your region. He first sends the anointing of the apostle, which is able to break through barriers, remove religious concepts, and lay a foundation for the next move of God. Apostles are rare because it has nothing to do with how many churches you have. I went to a meeting one time in Chicago. I'll never forget it. And it was a meeting of the apostles. I was interested to go. They asked me to be their keynote speaker. I go to this meeting and I go into this church and there's all these apostles. I've never seen a worse sight in my life. And I don't know if you could tell, but I'm bold and I don't care. So I'm, 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 I take my seat. I'm the speaker. I take my seat waiting for all the apostles to come. What I didn't realize is, is that they're not just going to walk in like I did. They're going to come with their entourage and their servants and their helpers. And they're going to be announced as they step in. So I'm sitting at the front and I'm looking at the doors open. Hear ye, hear ye, the apostle, the great bishop, his excellency, John Doe. And I'm looking. That's not his name. I'm just using that one. So here comes John Doe and he's got, I kid you not. He's got a big, big, big top hat, tail. You ever see the movie Dumb and Dumber? That's the guy. I swear to you. And he's got, he's got servants on both sides 
with towels on their arm walking next to him. And in case they need to wipe his brow, he's not sweaty, I'm sweaty. Nobody's helping me. So here he comes and he's got, he's got boots on with gold tips. He's got a cane in his hand with a golden eagle on its head. And he walks in like he's Grand Puba. He takes his seat and I gotta wait. And I'm thinking, he's the apostle, wow. And now here comes another guy. So finally, I, I'm asked to come up and I am brewing by this point. I never seen such a display of hypocrisy and nonsense in all my life. And every one of them was an apostle, his highness, the bishop, the doctor, da 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 da. You know, they had titles. And then they hand you their business card bishop, doctor, you know, apostle, prophet. You know, and then, and then they got, and the, my first lady, the miss, the prophet, prophetess. I'm thinking, who in the, are you people? So I, I got up and I said to the brother with the hat, I said, so, so how many church, because they think, you know, you're, a pro, you're an apostle if you got churches. I said, brother, how many churches do you have? Now, I got a bunch of them already. Me. You know that, right? Yeah. So only Mark knows how many churches. So I'm a father to pastors, and so that's what I do. So he's, he's sitting there, and he's holding, you know, the big grand booba stick. I said, sir, how many churches do you have? He said, two. Two. He's an apostle. He got two churches. I said, where are they? He said, one is East Chicago. The other one is West Chicago. How many people do you have in your church? I got 25 in one and third in the other. And I said, and you are an apostle. And so I preached to them what I'm preaching to you. What an apostle is. And I said, none of you are an apostle. And I don't want your offering. And you don't need to get on your face before God and repent and go serve his people. You bunch of blank, blank. And I left and I never went back. It cost me my ticket. It cost me a hotel. It cost me the car. They didn't give me a penny bunch of cheapskates because, because I yelled at them. But you know what? I gave them the truth. So, an apostle. The word means a sent ambassador of a kingdom or a government. He represents his kingdom. He comes sent from his throne that he serves. So, listen to it again. Whenever God's going to move into a new territory, into a new region, he's got to bring in the anointing that breaks the barriers, removes religious concepts, and lays a foundation for the next move. And the word itself, apostle, means sent ambassador of a government or a kingdom. But it also means, here's what I want you to hear now. It also means a naval expedition. A fleet of ships sent with a specific mission. An admiral or commander of an expedition or fleet of ships. Therefore, it's not just one person, but an expedition of a fleet. It's not one person, but an expedition. The whole mission is called an apostle. Slow down. The whole mission is called an apostle. An apostle is the mission sent. And though there is a commander, but that commander is leading an expedition or a fleet of ships on a mission. It is a delegate 
that becomes a delegation sent to establish a new colony. Once it invades, it causes valleys of decisions. Slow down. Once it invades, it does what? It causes valleys of decisions, restructuring mentalities and crossing people over to what rightfully belongs to them. It is intensive because it is a kingdom mission with the driving force to finish. They know they may never get out alive, but they're not going to stop until it's fulfilled. An apostle is a movement of a people called to establish the purpose of God for their generation. I'm talking to you, Resignation. I said an apostle, you all with me? An apostle is a movement of a people called to establish the purpose of God for their generation. When we started in Orlando in 1988, not one single church that I'm aware of was preaching what we're preaching. We were fought every step of the way, picketed, you name it. But you know, today there's more kingdom churches in the city of Orlando than any other kind. Say hallelujah or something. When we went to Orange County and established a church in Orange County, California, that I'm aware of, there was no churches in the whole region that preached the message of the kingdom. Today, they're everywhere preaching the kingdom come, as will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Because the apostolic, you go, you establish, and you leave. Now, I don't want to leave. I like it here. It's hot. But we're beginning to see the fulfillment that an apostle is a movement of a people called to establish the purpose of God for their generation. Listen, and it starts with a cent. A cent. Say a cent. And then it becomes 12. And then it becomes 120. And the 120 become hundreds of ambassadors. Jesus is described as the firstborn among many brethren. The manifestation of the apostolic is revelation. The manif- now, if, if you don't hear anything else, you're going to hear this. Write it down. The manifestation of the apostolic is what? Revelation. revelation. One more time. The manifestation of the apostolic is revelation that challenges old mindsets and revolutionizes belief systems. Like Paul introducing grace in the time of law or Jesus declaring the kingdom of God does not come by observation, but in a people These revolutionary thoughts at the time caused a war among the religious and a revival among the people of God. (laughs) I'm going to say that one more time. Because you see, if you want to hear what a revival is. The manifestation of the apostolic is out loud revelation. Revelation. Got to remember that word because I'm going to show what it means in a minute. That challenges the old mindsets and revolutionizes belief systems. Like Paul introducing grace in the time of law. You got to understand, Paul was a crazy man. When he was Saul, and by the way, he didn't change his name. Just one Roman name, one Hebrew name. Right? So he wanted to get along with the Romans, so he was Paul to the Romans. But his, his birth name as a, as a Jew, born Pharisee, is Saul. 
And he was a crazy man against the new move of God. At least today they just leave you. Now, they, in those days, they killed you. So they would come after, he would go after the followers of Christ. And I mean, they would get whipped, stoned to death. And he would report to the Pharisaical order of the day. I killed so many today. So Jesus appears to Paul on the road to Damascus. And he says, why are you persecuting me? Well, I'm trying to do your will here. I think I want to get rid of these heresies. No, no. I'm going to now call you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to blind you. Then I'm going to open your eyes. And I'm going to make you radical for the new thing. And now the people you used to work for are going to come after you. So he gets the revelation that the Gentiles in the time of law. You know how many laws they had? And you can't keep one part of the law and not the other part of the law. If you break one law, you've broken all of them. You're going to keep one, you're going to keep all of it. So when I was a kid on Sabbath, Saturday, you couldn't get it hot, hot toast. You want eggs, you eat the day before. You save them in the fridge the day before. You put them in the icebox the day before because nothing is going to get turned on on the Sabbath. No work. Nothing works. So the wife can sit. What about food? Yesterday's food. Eat it. You can go to five-star hotels and there'll be no hot food. You want hot food? Go across the street to the Arabs. They'll give you some hummus and some shish kebab. That's where I would go. Thank you, Jesus. So, no hot food. Why? Because the law. The law. And it's for their God, Yeshua. This is for their God, Jehovah. It's for them. And no one else is allowed the bunch of pagans. And here comes Paul, the crazy man that killed everybody. Grace is for the Gentiles as well as for the Jews. Now you know he knew he's going to get killed for that one. Well, wait a minute. What about circumcision? They don't have to be circumcised. As long as they circumcise the heart. Now see, you say that's right because you know you read it already. They didn't have the book of Romans to go to or Ephesians. They were writing it as they were doing it. Bunch of hoodlum white people. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. I can say it because I'm, I'm kind of brown. So. He gets a revelation. That Jesus died and shed his blood for all. And now the Gentiles can be grafted in. So the Jews have a problem. Peter, I don't think so. We were instructed by Jesus himself to go after the children of Israel. And so you are out of order. No, well, you don't understand. He stopped me outside of Jerusalem and told me I'm to take care of those people. So they, were, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't agree with him. Peter, you know the Peter, the great apostle Peter. You know the Roman Catholic Church, Peter. Follow this. Revelation 
that challenges the mindset, revolutionizes belief systems, and introduces grace in the time of law or declares to the Pharisaical order waiting on the throne of David to be reestablished. And here comes their Messiah and he says, the kingdom of God does not come that way. There'll be no more thrones on earth. It will not come by observation. The kingdom of God is going to be in the people. And I'm going to make them my throne. And they're going to become my city. And there'll be no location but a life. And they called him heretic. But like a kingdom seed, they could not stop the revelation from branching from city to city, from age to age. And today we are continuing in their message and in their mission. Listen carefully. And even though there is still resistance, even till today, the prophet Hosea declared in chapter 9 verse 7, of the increase of his government, which is his kingdom, of the increase. Somebody say increase. Say increase again. Increase of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. They can fight it all they want. This will take over the nations and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Revelations eleven fifteen. Now, the word to you. So I taught you that, right? Revelation is the unveiling. So to you, resignation, here's the word. You are on a brink of releasing a move of God into this region that will branch to the nation. Say that again. I'm declaring it over you. Resignation is on the... Don't talk while I'm saying this. Listen. Resignation is on the brink, it's here, of a release that will branch to the nations. But, be mindful. Anytime God says, behold, I do a new thing, the old thing is going to fight it. Even the very people that prayed for the new thing will fight it because it's not what they thought it's going to be. That's what makes it new. The old thing will fight it even by the very people who prayed for the new thing. This is why you've got to surrender. When the new thing begins, they resist because it's not what they know or expected. It doesn't match their past. That's what makes it new. Be careful that what you've learned does not stop you from receiving more. Say it again. Be careful that what you've learned does not stop you from receiving more. All through scripture, you will see God do this. He'll tell Abraham, give me your son, having no intention of taking him. He will try us, see our faith, with the plan to fulfill a promise 
that it's in his mind. When Abraham was ready to sacrifice his boy, grown man, the angel of the Lord stops his hand and tells him, now I know you, are, you fear God. He was able to hear. Now you got to understand, if someone is watching, there's nobody there but Abraham, his son, and a, and a goat in the thicket, stuck, the sacrifice. This is all going on inside of Abraham. The angel of the Lord was not some big being. He felt something stop him, and he heard, now I know that thou fearest God, and he stopped. Had Abraham not been able to hear the progressive word of God, he would have killed the promise. One more time. Had Abraham not been able to hear the progressive, the pro say that. Because you see, God did not tell him where he's going. He said, just go. You'll find out as you go. That's what faith is. I didn't know how, listen. I love what I hear my son say. What is the five-year plan? I don't know. I don't know what the next five minutes is going to be. So if you want to have a five-year plan, join the Baptist down the street. And they'll give you a chart of where they are and where they're going. And what money they need when they get there. But if you want God to take over, you come here. Be here in the morning. God tells Moses, go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. Go behind Moses' back and hard as heart of Pharaoh. kind of God is this? Without faith, it's impossible. So he will filter through who doesn't belong. And it's not up to him, it's up to you. Who will obey? And so you got to be careful that what you've learned does not stop you from receiving more. You're always looking to hear more. You got to behold, 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 overcome, come sit with me. Open your eyes, behold an open door, listen, and then come up. Because he doesn't tell you what happens after. That's where the throne is. Follow carefully. Throughout biblical history and throughout the church history, the new is always introduced by an apostolic anointing that the old moves and understandings resist. Peter and Paul, for an example, when Paul introduced grace to the Gentiles, even though ultimately it cost him his head, it ended a whole religious system and begun a new one all by a revelation. Christ in you, the revelation, ended a whole system. Jesus did the same thing with the priest Nicodemus when he said to him, you must be born again so you could see the kingdom of God. Anybody remember? After Paul preached, it is by grace through faith, eventually Peter saw it and said in 1 Peter 1.22, we purify our souls by obeying the truth. He even said, Paul preaches heavy things. That's all Paul knew. All apostolic revelation is in the word. Revelation is not something people dream up. Got to hear this. All revelation is where? All revelation is where? All revelation is in the word. All apostolic 
Revelation is in the word. It must come from the word. The word revelation is a revelation in itself. The word revelation in itself means, follow this, to unveil, expose what's been veiled. The revelation has been there all along, but under cover. But once the veil is removed, it becomes obvious. It appears. It's like opening the curtain of a window. What's behind it is always there. Once you unveil, you see what's always been there. The word of God is established in layers of revelation. That's why you don't cage the word of God in your yesterday's understanding. Do not cage the word of God in your yesterday's experience. Don't tell me what God did with you 20 years ago. Do not cage the word. Because what God did back 700 years before Zechariah, they put a serpent on a pole and the, the bites of the snakes did not hurt them as long as they put their eyes on the serpent of the pole, speaking of Jesus and his crucifixion. 700 years later, these Jews didn't go anywhere without carrying that stake. And they marched with the snake, followed the snake, worshiped the snake, even though it's seven years old, 700 years old, they put it inside of the Holy of Holies. And they made a God out of it. So Zechariah is raised at 25 years old. He's a king and God. The first thing God, go in that temple and clean it out. Throw out that old stuff. Get rid of that snake and that pole. Throw it out. All the idol worship. The word of God is unveiled. Because the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You cannot put New wine in old wine skin. We are changed from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it into the heart of man the things God has prepared for them that love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 So it wasn't the Egyptians that built the golden calf. It was Aaron and his people. It wasn't the Romans that cried, crucify him. It was the people of God. So God today has no problem with Biden. He has no problem with Congress. No problem with the darkness. He's looking for the light. Where's the light? Where are my people? You don't think God can get rid of the evil? Well, how do you get rid of darkness? Oh, you're making me work. How do you get rid of darkness? Light, where is it? You're the light of the world. And so sure, you gotta stand up against evil, but God is after his people. It's the people of God that are gonna make the difference. It's the people of God that are going to rise up. It's the people of God that are going to bring justice. It's the people of God that are going to bring righteous laws. It's the people of God God is after to take over office. Don't tell me separation of church and state. That's demonic. God has always gone after the government. Always. From Pharaoh to Rome. 
to Washington. He's after the government. But it's going to take the people of God. But see, the people of God are selfish and self-centered. And what matters to them? Help me, heal me, deliver me, 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 give me, bless me, help me pay my bills. Me, me, help me. Jesus. You see, power, power comes from exercise. Muscles are built when faith is used. In the kingdom, you got to work your muscle of faith to receive the strength to do what God's called. It's not politics. It's righteousness. Say that. It's what? Listen. It's always been the people of God that have hindered God. It's always been the people of God that have hindered God. How long did it take God to bring down the whole empire of Pharaoh? Anybody know? I told you this before. See, you should remember these things. How long did it take from the time God spoke to, to Moses? Go to, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. To the time they were walking out of Egypt, all of them with, with Egypt's gold. How long did it take? took approximately somewhere between 30 to 40 days. How long did it take God? Very good. How long did it take God? How long did it take God to change the mind of old slaves? 40 years. And most of them never made it. They died in their old mindsets. 40 years to try to change the way they think. The apostolic is always a move of God... Follow this carefully. Because you see, God raised Joshua for a reason. Joshua was not raised in the education of Egypt. Joshua was a fighter. All he knew is to fight. And by his warrior apostolic anointing, he was able to overtake his enemies. I'm almost through. The religious systems have always killed the apostles and prophets. But they could never stop revelation. That's why by the word, by the word, by the word, we look for the revelation. I believe this next move of God will be unstoppable. I just need, I need my, my yeah. I just need the musicians. I just need the musicians. And I, I, I want to be sensitive to the Lord here. Wow, Jesus. I want you to say this out loud. The next move of God will be unstoppable. Listen, it will bring reformation and transformation like we've never seen. This is what the Lord, the word that I received last night and I began to weep as I wrote it. I couldn't write fast enough. I believe the next move of God will be unstoppable. It will bring a reformation and a transformation like we've never seen before. Start, please. It will topple down governments and cause a massive exodus out of religions and educational institutions and they will flock to the kingdom of God. I want to say that again. This next move of God will be unstoppable. It will bring reformation and transformation that cannot be stopped. It will topple down governments, cause massive exodus out of religions, educational institutions, and they will flock to the kingdom of God. 
the revelation will come in songs and lyrics and what they did not understand will come to them in worship your children will prophesy and out of the mouth of babes families will be healed, delivered and restored risen nation because you're part of an apostolic mission you will have an impact that will change the next generation but you must be of one mind and of one accord I want you to hear the word again with your hands raised God is speaking this next move will be unstoppable it will bring reformation and transformation like you've never seen I will topple down governments, cause an exodus out of the religions and educational institutions, and they will flock to my kingdom, says the Lord. Revelation will come in their songs and lyrics, and what they did not understand will come to them in worship. Your children will prophesy, and out of the mouth of babes, Families will be healed, delivered, and restored. And because you, my people, are part of this apostolic mission, you will impact and change the next generation. But you must be of one mind and of one accord. If you don't agree with this vision, please find where you belong because it's not here. ask God to shake out of your way what is in the way of your door you and I have a father's day here it is ask God to shake out of your life what doesn't belong to you after you step through the door when God said behold I have set before you an open door He's not going to walk you through it. He's on the other side waiting. And he's saying, come up hither. I'm here, come up. But it's going to take a willingness, a shaking, a releasing, that you'll be willing. I have to choose what roadway. I could have made the money and stayed, played it safe. But I said, God, I want what you have. It's you I want. If you want God, and you have to be willing, and you got to be serious, and listen to me carefully, I carry an apostolic anointing. Please do not respond to this altar call if you're not serious. Don't do it because someone next to you did it. Let it be your personal conviction. know what it means and what it will shake out of your life if you're going to ask God and I know we don't have much space but I need you to make a move I don't give you move one foot out of your seat I haven't even given the altar call yet but if you're going to come Adam all the way fill, fill, fill if you're going to ask God to shake 
out of your life whatever needs to be shaken. Remove out of the way of the door whatever's in the way of the door. Whatever mindsets, traditions, belief systems, my families, my loved ones, because of what I believe, I'm going to follow you and trust you to bring them. But I will not stop for anything or anyone. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to come after you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my will. I'm going to chase after you with all my strength. I'm going to love you, God, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my will and all my strength. So God, do whatever you got to do. So now as we worship, we're going to pray. Just start. Every hand raised. Father, no, you don't have to repeat. Just let me pray for you. You pray yourself. I'm not going to make you repeat my words. You speak your words to him. I heard you. You set an open door. I don't want to walk across carrying with me what I've battled with before. I want to be able to behold the new. How can I see the new from the position of the old? So Father, in Jesus' name, every hand raised. Do what you got to do. Remove what you got to remove. God, remove it of our life. Shake what you got to shake. Remove what you got to remove. You must destroy, but let us walk through free. There is no one else like you. Old mindsets, our religious systems, belief systems, old understandings, 
Remove it, God. We give it all, we give it all, we give it all. Every, every instrument, every voice raised. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.